nobody could really show me a way to unlock their somebody's full potential or and I'd see so many people in my practice that had issues and or were just stuck they wanted to move careers or but couldn't or they were in an unhappy marriage or they had health issues that weren't resolving or there was it seemed like every single person came in and had some kind of issue that I had no way of helping them with and I went looking for a way to actually put it into a program so I could help other people to reach their full potential and to unlock their brains and actually to be happy and to be actually who they truly are because what I found is that the people who are the most successful and most happiest are the ones that are most aligned with who they are and where they want to go in life and what's actually important they know those things whereas I found that with myself and with my patients that they don't know who they are or what's important to them or where they want to go you know they'd say yes I'm not happy in my job what would you like to do I don't know so they just stay in the same job and keep creating the same issues and still remain unhappy so it was about coming up with a way that would help people to be able to actually step into who they actually truly are and step beyond the fears and the limitations and actually go on to do some amazing things. Welcome to the Metagenics Best Practice Podcast, Standing on the Shoulders of Giants, practitioner-to-practitioner conversations to inspire, mentor and learn from. Do you have something that you do well that you would like to share with many people? Bronwyn Cope has a special interest in stress, anxiety and depression. She believes that what we consider as stress is so much more than what we perceive. Bronwyn, a naturopath of over 20 years, had a surprising realisation at our International Congress of Natural Medicine one year that she was not herself due to the high levels of stress that she was enduring. But she could not find any real long-lasting solution, so she set out to create her own. Bronwyn spent greater than two years researching. She delved into finding a reproducible and highly marketable system to help her and her patients to move from a state of fear and distress to living a full and happy life of achievement. Could this be you? Could you research, create and share a body of work wrapped up as a marketable program for the benefit of a wider audience? This is Angela Carroll. Listen in today and get some inspiration. Hello everybody and welcome to Standing on the Shoulders of Giants. Today I am in Chile, Adelaide, hanging out with the wonderful practitioner Bronwyn Cope, which is a bit of a treat because Bronwyn and I were chatting the other week and we realised we both studied together way back in the day. So I think we probably look a little bit older than when we, when we first were at college. And I'm also here with our wonderful sales manager, Julia Smith, who is the beautiful voice of the introduction of... Uh, the podcast but at the moment she's got laryngitis so I do want her to join in and ask a few questions so we'll uh, see if we can manage to get Julia through and still stand as beautiful as she does in the introduction. The reason that I am here is because I was alerted to Bronwyn putting together this amazing program that is in essence a reprogramming of the stress response and my focus here today is to really unravel how Bronwyn came to 
find that she needed to put this program together, how she ran the program, and really use it as a showcase for and an example of how other practitioners, how yourselves might be able to do the same thing. How could you actually find what you're passionate about, find something that really you're interested in that you can then offer to others. And so I really want to unbox this and find out the procedure, the process, and I'm sure a lot of you will be able to relate to that. So thanks for your time, Bronwyn. You're welcome. Okay, so I'd really love if you could give me a, an elevator script. How could you give a concise explanation of what you're, you're throwing your hands up in the air? How do you do concise? Just a, a quick version of what the program entails and the outcomes that you get with patients. Uh, the program is designed to have people function from a different part of their brain. So instead of reacting to situations to be able to actually respond and to live by and with their values and to express more fully who they are as a person and to align them with their life purpose and who they are. It sounds absolutely amazing and a very high end as in high level of way of doing things. And I think for a lot of people that are not even aware that that's a possibility in their lives, I would imagine that they can step out of their reactivity to things to be able to be proactive in the way that they respond. Do you find that when you start with your patients initially? Yes, and I did as well to begin with until I was actually at Congress in Sydney um, a number of years ago. Um, the Congress was about stress, anxiety and depression and I was filling out the mood and stress questionnaire and at the time I'd just been through a very ugly divorce and I'd just got through the other side of it and thinking I was in a very good spot and that I was you know, happy to be alive and that you know, life was actually going to be you know, pretty good again and when I was sitting there filling out the questionnaire I noticed that there was a lot of questions that I saw as being questions about my personality or who I was or who I thought I was. And my friend was sitting looking over my shoulder and saying to me, I thought you said you weren't stressed. And I said, I'm not. And this is the most relaxed I've been in my entire life. <laughs> she said, I'm pretty sure that mood and stress questionnaire is actually telling me that you're very stressed. And she was right. And to this day, both my friend and I, who's also a naturopath, we've handed out that mood and stress questionnaire to hundreds of people and we've not seen any ones that came out as high as mine did that day. So that really <laughs> changed the way that I viewed stress and anxiety and depression because in that moment I realised who I thought I was and my personality and just the way that I was and my makeup wasn't actually who, who I was. They were actually a symptom of me being in the flight or fight state. So then I went and spent a lot of time researching and looking at different philosophies and different therapies and all sorts of personal development programs and tried to de-stress myself. But I found that I couldn't. You know, you read books that would say, you know, just think positive, be grateful for this, do this, you know, meditate. And I found that I couldn't actually do those things. I would to a certain extent and then, you know, things would happen and then I'd go back to being stressed or you know, getting frustrated about you know certain things and I couldn't understand why or how to actually change myself from reacting the way that I was. So I took a step back and I stopped reading what everyone else was writing and I just researched how the brain works 
and I read lots of studies that was were happening in neuroplasticity area. I read lots of books about philosophy, personal development programs, or personal development, and then I started writing, and I just wrote and wrote and wrote until I pulled everything together, and I was able to come up with a step-by-step program to help to unlock people's potential and who they actually are through doing various exercises for the brain. So you used yourself as a guinea pig, essentially. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we all do that as practitioners, don't we? <laughs> you have to do that. Sometimes yeah. it's important that we you know, get familiar with what it is we're going to be Absolutely. recommending to our patients. Because then you know that it actually works and how it works. Yeah, absolutely. So you said you spent some time researching it. How long did you spend researching it? Three years. Three years. Were you practicing any of it while you were researching or that was just a whole information gathering process? I spent a good 18 months just researching and then when I started coming up with the exercises and there were exercises that I was coming up, uh, uh, that I came up, along during that 18 months that I would try out myself and some of my patients and then it was really a, then a trial and error situation of putting everything together in an order that actually made sense to people and people could actually manage and could make it part of their daily routine so a bit like going to the gym instead of just going to the gym and working out your physical body you're actually spending 35 minutes a day working on your mind it's probably a lot more than most people would spend in a month working on their mind yes (laughs) but the key is to start with small steps yeah and then just spending a couple of minutes a day working on exercises and then in every week or so adding a new exercise and then that way it actually becomes a habit and becomes part of your daily routine as opposed to you know trying to create 35 minutes all in one go yeah, I think that's something that a lot of practitioners need to be mindful of in everything they're recommending to patients. You know, Absolutely. diet, exercise, all of those things. We can't keep expecting patients to take on everything that we recommend, the, the big way, the, the right path that we see. Absolutely. If their values aren't aligned. Absolutely. So some of what you're working in on is value, alignment. That's right. Yeah. Do you find that for your patients that they're not even aware of what their values are to start with? Very few people are aware of what their values are. Or if they may be aware of what their values are but not necessarily understand what those values mean to them. And there is a big difference. Can you explain the difference? If one of your values is to be successful, success means something different for everyone. For one person it will be being on TV in New York, for another it will be making a difference to people's lives and having a family. So it's really important to be really clear about what your values actually mean to you, not just know what your values are. My mind just had a little side jump on that. As a practitioner, how how many times have you, I'm going to say tripped up, um, it's me jumping ahead, but how many times have you tripped up and try to put your perception of their values in in the early days when you're putting the program together? All the time. Really? Yes. Yes. I think that's something that we all naturally do because we want for other people what we would want for ourselves, but that's not necessarily what the other person wants or needs. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's so true too. And, and that's, again, you can extrapolate that to any time when a person comes into your practice and they say they want X, Y, Z and the practitioner says, oh, but I can see all these other things wrong with you and I'm going to deal with those first. So, again, back to what their values are and where they're at and um, making sure that they're getting their needs met. Absolutely. Yeah. So going back to your program then, so just to recap, you were going through a stressful time, you went to Congress, didn't know how stressed you were, thought you were feeling calm, thought you were feeling fabulous, mm-hmm. found out, oh, my God, this person that I am is not who I really am. It's not my core self. It's a stressed person. And so then you went on a journey, so to speak, to really find out, okay, how can you unravel the stress? How do you take that out and find the real you? Is that that's right? synopsis of it? So then when I was saying at the beginning it's a reprogramming program, it's not really just telling people to chill out. It's going back to core so that you can be your best. We're actually changing the way that your brain processes information mm-hmm. and sensory input. And what I mean by that is that your brain is constantly bringing in information and that information is broken down into chunks of information which are passed through the amygdala. Now, the amygdala is the part of the brain that fires off the flight or fight state. Now, if it recognises any of the sensory input as patterns that it recognises, it will fire off a flight or fight response within three milliseconds. For that information to get to the frontal lobe of your brain, it takes around 350 milliseconds. So for any of those negative states of mind that you cannot control or are not control of, as in they just happen, they might be things that you just happen to say to people, you just couldn't help yourself. (laughs) It could be um, that you get upset by something, somebody might cut you off when you're driving, it might be that somebody yells at you, you can get really upset. Any of those things that trigger any kind of negative state of mind is actually controlled by your amygdala. So it is about changing the sensory input that your amygdala is recognizing and reacting to so allow that information to get to the frontal lobe of your brain which is actually where your personality and where your reasoning happens and so you can take that step back and look at a situation and then choose how you're actually going to respond. So your amygdala is is controlling when it's in a fear state, when it's in a stress state, when it's in a negative state, is controlling and overriding, if you like, the part of your brain that is your personality, that is your true you. That's right. Okay. There's actually been a lot of research that's just starting to come out that um, shows that when you're in that flight or fight state, it actually shuts down the other areas of your brain. And that's the reason why people learn better when they're in a relaxed state. Yeah. Okay. So for explaining and looking at the uh, physiology of it, we did a seminar a few years back on stress, which is probably after you did the mood and stress questionnaire. And we were looking at the relationship or what the, the, the change in the brain architecture under stress. So a chronically stressed person, uh, and that can be, vast majority of the people anyone's got anxiety depression falls into that category as well anyone who has has negative states of mind negative states of whether mind. that be thought feelings or emotion is actually 
yeah. in that flight or fight state. So the amygdala, which carries, which controls the fight or flight, the fear response, the anxiety mm-hmm. response, it actually grows, it hypertrophies. Um, and not necessarily, that's not, doesn't mean you're getting more intelligent. It just means those neural pathways are being more reinforced and getting stronger. The hippocampus shrinks, which gives you your state, your relation of where you are in life and where you are in the room, so to speak, with your spatial relations and memory. And the prefrontal cortex atrophies. So the one that is so important for your personality and who you are. And also that's the switch that tells you how to be more reasonable. It's, I always call it the mother in your brain. It tells you how to behave and how to be responsible and to do the right thing. So that part shrinks. And so then essentially you've got this firing from the fight or flight, the amygdala, that is just on hyper alert, hyper vigilance the whole time. That's right. And that's just overruling everything. So how can you be true to yourself? How can you be your true you if the amygdala is shouting and screaming over the top of you? Exactly. Mm, okay. And what you'll see is that you can get upset about something and you can have the fight or flight response and that might come out in anger, it might come out in frustration, sadness, whatever it is. And then a little while later, you'll start thinking about it and go, oh, it's probably a bit of an overreaction. Probably didn't need to react like that. And part of your brain's going, yes, I did because it wasn't fair. And the other part of your brain's going, no, it probably was a bit of a reaction. You end up with that mental conflict going on and that's because you've got the amygdala firing off and you've got the frontal lobe of your brain trying to reason and trying to settle everything down. So you can't truly get out of that flight or fight state until you've calmed down that amygdala and then that's when that internal conflict will end. Well, and I just, I'm just interested in how you explain this concept to your patients. So, you know, all three of us here have some degree of understanding of anatomy and physiology and brain function. What sort of depth do you go into with your patients to, to really help them understand the work that you're going to be doing with them? How do I explain it? I... It will normally come up in conversation about stress and then it will be a matter of um, explaining to patients what stress actually is and from a physiological point of view how the amygdala reacts to stress because it normally comes out in you know the people are struggling in some area of their life and when people can relate to the fact that there is an underlying fear there or that there Mm. is a negative state of mind there and they can identify that there is some level of fear there then it is quite easily you know people can normally quite easily see where the stress response is fitting in so that's do do you need them to in their mind's eye to be able to picture where the amygdala is because there's a an an activity a task that you give your patients to do that requires them to be able to visualize the amygdala yes (coughs) so i do explain that the amygdala are two almond shaped organs behind the temples so the, the first stage is really designed to change the patterns that your amygdala is responding to and the things that are triggering that flight or fight response within the amygdala. The next step is about rebalancing the energy and the frequencies within the body. Um, there are, the third step is about identifying why you do what you do and why you want to do what you want to do. Yeah. 
It's about understanding who you are and what is actually important to you. And from that exercise, you will identify your values, which you'll then go on to define. The step after that is about instilling those values within your mindset. So you actually begin to live by and with and through those values in every single area of your life and every single moment not just when it's convenient or not just when you want to, but in every area and in every moment. So when somebody is to yell at you, uh, you can, instead of yelling back or reacting to that, then you would actually convey that love, care and kindness or those values that you have back to them, which changes their space and you know their, the way that they are going to respond to you and will diffuse that situation. Um, there are several other steps after that which go even you know, deeper into aligning you with you and your life purpose and what you actually want to create. I'm struck by the thought of what an amazing world we could open up if everyone went through your program. Absolutely. How much more, how much richer people's lives would be, relationships. Because it really yeah. is about going beyond negative states of mind and functioning from that level of who you truly are and what you came here to do. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really inspirational and I keep coming back in my mind to, oh my goodness, you were just sitting at Congress, you'd gone through a process, you didn't know you were that stressed and you did a questionnaire and then you were inspired. And I just think, how many other amazing ideas, concepts, healings that there are out there, how many practitioners are already working on things that you know, could be out there and offered for so many people. And it's just, it just opens up so much for, for a whole better world, if you like. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. So to put it to, put it to um, as far as the process goes, just to, to, to share this with our fabulous listeners, I feel like I'm on a radio talk back show at the moment, mm-hmm. um, to... Julia and I are both stepping through your program. Yes. Um, because that helps us to understand what's involved so that we can talk to you better about what's going on and share that information. And I've only been doing it for two weeks now, and I'm already so much more cognitive about these thought processes that I had that I didn't even realize how much of my day I spent in negative states. I'm normally like, I don't know, everyone says, oh, you're such a positive person. But there are these just little things that just keep going, oh, that was a negative thought. Oh, that was a negative thought. That's right. And I didn't realise how much of that was there um, in, a, in a programmed type of way. And I'm already noticing now things that would have set me off last week doesn't even rattle me at all now. Things I'm just so much... It's not that I'm calmer. It's just those things don't trigger a response. Yes. I don't have anxiety. I don't have depression. I don't have any of those things. So it's just a... It's a the response is null and void, yes. uh, which is pretty cool. And sort of on to the next stage is now we're working on the values and why I need to be doing what I need to do and going to a better direction in my life. I'm so wondering, um, Rob, with your, the patients that you see regularly, you mentioned that you're really interested in the area of anxiety, depression and, and negative states of mind. Is this something that your patients come to you asking for? Is it a program that you advertise do they know about it or is it are they coming to you because they're fatigued or feeling a bit stressed or not sleeping and you sort of build it into your treatment plan I began by building it into my treatment plan Mm -hmm. Um, now I have people coming to me specifically to go through the program 
So you offer it as a standalone program? I do, practice? yes. Yeah. And you have it packaged that way as a standalone? People come in and go, okay, I want to go through this process with you and that's what you're getting known for? Yes, that's right. That's pretty cool. I think that's really interesting that you, you've seen a need for this in yourself and, and recognised it as a, a need in general. You've started to apply it to patients within practice and then it's evolved into this program of its own that, you know, now pretty much stands alone for you, which I think is a really, I mean, obviously it doesn't, it takes time and it's been a process for you, but I think that's a really interesting evolution for, um, you know, lots of people who may already be working in various ways in their practice, but not building it into a program as such and not seeing it as a um, standalone, a, standalone a, a marketable product, mm. essentially. Yes, I've always been fascinated by the brain and why people do what they do. And that's something that has always fascinated me. And I'd read lots of books and I'd been to lots of seminars and done lots of different programs, but nobody could really show me a way to unlock their somebody's full potential or and I'd see so many people in my practice that had issues and or were just stuck they wanted to move careers or but couldn't or they were in an unhappy marriage or they had health issues that weren't resolving or there was it seemed like every single person came in had some kind of issue that I had no way of helping them with and i went looking for a way to actually put it into a program so I could help other people to reach their full potential and to unlock their brains and actually to be happy and to be actually who they truly are because what I found is that the people who are the most successful and most happiest are the ones that are most aligned with who they are and where they want to go in life and what's actually important. They know those things, whereas I found that with myself and with my patients that they don't know who they are or what's important to them or where they want to go. You know, they'd say, yes, I'm not happy in my job. What would you like to do? Oh, I don't know. So they'd just stay in the same job and keep creating the same issues and still remain unhappy. So it was about coming up with a way that would help people to be able to actually step into who they actually truly are and step beyond the fears and the limitations and actually go on to do some amazing things. Did you, at the outset, decide, I'm going to research this and make it into a program? No. So when did that moment of, this would be awesome as a program, come in? It started with my own curiosity about how the brain works and how to come up with a way to help myself to go beyond those negative states of mind and go beyond the stress and some of those you know, behaviours that I was exhibiting um, that were symptoms of that flight or fight response and so when I got to that point where I had fitted all the pieces of the puzzle together and thought well this is how it works this is and that's and I was trying the steps on myself and I was getting such amazing results that I started trying it out on my patients and they started getting great results and that's when I went wow this would be awesome and I could really see how it would benefit everyone not yeah. just people with stress and anxiety and depression but people who wanted to start a new business or people that knew that they wanted to do something different in their life but they just don't know how to do it or they've got those limitations or feel that they can't do something and they feel they're stuck that this was a way that they could actually unlock their brain and actually go beyond that and actually be able to achieve those things that they wanted to achieve it's highly marketable 
Absolutely. So remarkable. <laughs> I've got all these ideas ticking around in my head of how you could market it, what you could do, how you could package awesome. it. Awesome. We need to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited about it. But I, and that's actually one of the main reasons why I wanted to you know, speak to you as well. It's just There's just so much out there that we can do for so many people. And you've already said that people come in, thanks to Julia's question, looking for that. They want that package. They want that support that you offer. And it's a bit of a, it's a direction I'm going at the moment with, with helping practitioners is we need to pull back sometimes and, and remove ourselves from this attachment that we have as practitioners where it's all about, well, you come in with me and you've got this chronic illness and I'm going to nurse you all the way through until you get to a state of wellness and it's all going to be wonderful and you're going to be in this utopian state. Whereas people now are so time poor they they don't necessarily want to they just want a six-week program or a 12-week program something where they can come in they want to get the results that they want the desired end and then and then leave you know they want to go on and get a good life after that whatever their outcome is and they can come back to you at some stage when they when they do feel that they've built that trust they've got that relationship it's also about developing new habits for people helping them to be a good point yeah because I don't want my patients that's coming into me and going through the program for six, eight weeks, getting amazing results, and then going back to the way their life was. It's about instilling new habits and doing small things every day, which will enable them to actually keep on growing and keep on developing and becoming more of themselves and being even more aligned with who they are and going even further beyond the negative states of mind. Mm-hmm. And it's the same when you're working with you know, diets. You don't want somebody to do a diet for six weeks and go back to what they're eating. You want it to actually become a new lifestyle, new habit, and yeah. which is why when I'm working with people's diet, I only change one thing at a time. Yeah. Even when people will say, oh, what else do I need to do? What else do I need to change? No, just work with that one thing. And when you get good yeah. at that, then we'll change the next thing. Yeah. And then when they get good at that, then the next thing. And I find by doing that, people are actually able to make those lasting changes with their diet. And it's, it's just sticks. Yeah. I'm so pleased to hear you say that because I am starting, thankfully, to hear that more and more from practitioners where I'm just, you know, one little thing at a time. We just work on that. Once you've got that solid, then we do the next thing. And it's just, it means that, you you know, at the end of the day, you're changing their life long-term. It's a long-term thing. And when people get good at doing one thing, it sets up that whole success cycle. So their brain mm-hmm. can identify that, yes, yeah. they've achieved something, they can feel good about it. And so then mm-hmm. they'll want to do something else and they'll want to achieve something else. And you keep on building on that. Whereas if you ask them to do 10 things yeah. and it lasts for a week and then they go back to the way they were, they then feel like they failed and so they're not going to want to try again. So as a foundation then for any any program that anybody's putting together, anyone that's inspired at the moment thinking, oh, my God, I could actually programize, that's my new word, programize something, um, steps, one thing at a time, habits, slow, go slow, rather than trying to just throw them in at the deep end. Absolutely. Yeah. And those steps must be so simple that people can't fail. They've well, got to be pleased s- to know stage one, it's almost a habit now. Awesome. We've been doing about a week and a half, two weeks, and it's almost habitualized. The things have got to be so simple that they just become like habits. So it doesn't matter how busy, how tired, how awful you feel, that you can still do it. Yeah, achieve every time. You still achieve every single day. Mm. So it's got to be something that just becomes a habit like cleaning your teeth every day. Yep. So the, the, the program that you've put together is the way that it is, has has 
was that how it was in the beginning? Or have you looked at it, you've assessed it, you've measured the outcomes, evolved, has it, has it been, how, how long, I can see you nodding, how long has that evolution been? I think it will be ongoing. Yeah, okay. I don't think it will ever stop. Mm. It took a good two and a half years yeah. to get to that stage where I felt really comfortable that with the way that it worked and had the information there yeah. and put it in a context that people could understand no matter what their level mm -hmm. of understanding whether they were into spiritual things or religious or none of the above or if yeah. they had you know no exposure to personal development or you know had personal development gurus you know it had to be something that could be understood by anyone yeah. um but yes it took a good two and a half years and it will be an ongoing thing because i know that it will improve as more people go through the program and more scientific research is coming out and more you know information is coming through it will keep on evolving you're so passionate about it i just love watching how how lit up you <laughs> it's, just, it's just fascinating it. because it's such a new area it's, nobody has looked at the brain in this way before that mm -hmm. i've come across we've all just accepted the negative states of mind are just normal mm -hmm. and it's part of life it's something yeah. that we have to manage and mm -hmm. there's something that we have to just learn as humans to deal with and we've up until now i've always been controlled by our thoughts feelings and emotions and behaviors as opposed to actually being in control of them or yeah. not be controlled by them so this is the first time that i've known i, I don't know of anything else that actually mm -hmm. helps people to teach themselves or or change the way their brain functions and so they can actually go beyond those negative states mm -hmm. of mind and it's not just in one area it's across the board and so your your brain will start seeing things differently and perceiving things differently and seeing that bigger picture of things mm. as opposed to being stuck in that one isolated incident and seeing things as bad. Have you, uh, the, probably the most complicated thing to deal with when you're dealing with brain and stress responses, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, do you have much to do with that? Have you had that crossed your doors very often? I think everyone suffers from some kind of post-traumatic stress. It's just varying degrees of it. Mm-hmm. So the program would be the same for somebody who had, you know, experienced very traumatic things um, as, as opposed to somebody who has not necessarily, you know, a huge stress area in their life. It's the same physiological response. Yeah. So then really what, what I'm understanding with that is that you've got a program that works for everybody no matter where their starting point is that's and right no matter where their outcomes are going to be exactly um, some people are going to need longer some people are going to need shorter that's right. right so as it's going to evolve i'm just sort of thinking about okay putting into a practice as a, as a general thing here i've got a program i like what i do getting great results with it um let's put it into practice let's run with it for a little while let's keep it stable um, even though in the background you're going, oh, we could do this, we could do that, we could do this, I would err on the side of recommending that you let it sit as a solid entity for a while while you're thinking of all that background stuff that you want to change and then add that in at a block level at the next time once everything's stabilised, if that makes sense. So rather than changing a program halfway through and then keeping yes. it, you've got to let it sit for a bit. Yes, sit and, and that's what I did. You did? That, yes, definitely. Yeah. 
Yeah, because that, that way you, you don't have anything to measure the success of in, in a consistent way if you're constantly trying to add to it and change it. That's right. Yep. So even you could even go into it and say, okay, look, I'm really awesome at, I'm just going to throw detox out there because it was the first thing that came to my head. I'm really awesome at detox. I've got all these other little bits and pieces that I do. I get great results. Let it sit like that for six months, 12 months with your patient population, doing what you do, get the good results. And then you can do all your research and then add a lay-in layer over the top of that the next evolution of that which then makes it even more marketable to a new bunch of people absolutely Mm. i found the best thing to do was write i wrote every day so tell me about your writing what did what did you write how did you write what did it look like what what went down on paper were you writing blogs or were you writing i was just writing my my thoughts and i was trying to pull together all my ideas about life the mind thoughts, feelings, emotions, why they occur, why they don't occur, why we react. I was looking at different um, philosophies, different religions, different scientific studies that had come out. I looked at everything. I had conversations with, with patients about, you know, stressful situations they were coming, they were involved with. And I just wrote how I interpreted those things, how I saw those things, and eventually that's how my program actually came together mm-hmm. because things became clearer then because I could actually see how they all fitted together. Yeah. So I would, I committed to writing one minute a day, which I know sounds like it's a waste of time, <laughs> but I honestly started one minute a day and I would literally set the timer on my iPhone for 60 seconds and I would just sit there and type on Google Docs and Sure, there were some days that I would write for an hour and a half if I had time, um, but most days it would literally be somewhere between one and three minutes. And within nine months, I had 80,000 words written. Wow, that is just so easy. <laughs> like anybody goes, I don't have time to do this. One minute a day. Absolutely. And I actually started doing it to prove to somebody that that theory didn't work. And that's, oh, you know, did you? that's the you funny part. You disproved the <laughs> <I> theory. <do. laughs> a friend of mine said, you know, just spend one minute a day. You know, and I said, oh, that's not going to work because I need to take three or four weeks off and just, just spend that time just in isolation, go away somewhere and just write mm-hmm. and write and write and then I'll have everything together. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have that ability to do that. And so uh, when my friend suggested to me that I write one minute a day, I thought, well, fine, I'll do it and I'll prove that it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> After nine months, I had to take my, take that back. <laughs> it's quite an interesting thing because my understanding is that the, the process of writing your arm is, you know, that you've got nerves coming down from your brain to the hand to control the, the pen to the paper. So the words that actually come out your pen at the end are just an extension of what is actually coming out of your brain, which I know sounds bleedingly obvious, but it's a completely different process to if you type in. So I did actually, actually type you did mine. Type? I didn't actually write. I did actually type it. Because yeah, they say it's... that you actually remember more and there's more of a neural link if you're actually dragging yes. your pen over the page. yes. I would agree with that. I I am still using paper notes in my clinic for that reason. I just find that yeah. while I'm writing, my treatment plan is being formulated and things will just flow easier than... Mm. But for me, I found the Google Docs just typing was I do. easy. So tell me what you've done with all of those words. 
I'm in the process of rewriting those again, mm-hmm. still spending one to three minutes a day. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm rewriting that into a book okay. and the, the, making the, the, the steps um, even clearer and putting it in a, you know, a guide so to speak. Okay. So if you, that kind of opens up a whole new door now. So you're putting them into a book, obviously it's going to get out there into the marketplace. Yes. Is that a book for practitioners or a book for patients? It'll be a book for everyone. Okay. And the purpose of the book, what's your end goal with the book? I'm sure you've actually written that one down. <laughs> the end goal of the book is to have people realise that there is a way to go beyond negative states of mind. Yep. And to give them a way to go beyond negative states of mind in the way that they can actually do it themselves. They don't need, you don't need other people's input. You don't need to pay a lot of money. You don't need to, you know, do programs. And it's, it's just about a matter of doing the exercises every day. Yeah. And when you're doing them consistently, you'll get there. Yeah. So it explains the entire process and the, um, the, the reasons behind it all and how it actually, you know, works together. So the book then could be purchased off the shelf for somebody thinking, okay, I want to, I want to unleash myself, so to yes. speak, and I want to work as a process, work through it. Um, where do you retain what you do from that? So how, what, what would be the difference in your mind from somebody doing the book, working their way through it, as opposed to going, no, I really need to come and see Bronwyn to have that, have that process. I think it's a little bit like um, going to the gym. You can go to the gym and do the exercises yourself. You can get a book about exercising or get the exercise program off the internet and follow that. You can go to the gym and do it on your own or you can get a personal trainer. Okay. So, the majority of us need some level of support. And I mean, essentially there's how many detox books on the shelf in, that's in, right. the, in the supermarket, in the, in the bookstores. There's how many weight loss solutions. There's how many self-help solutions already out there. But the majority of us need some guidance to actually build that structure into what we're doing and to get the outcomes that we really want. And I think that's where the practitioner relationship comes in um, because we're giving that guidance, we're giving that structure, we're, we're almost applying that accountability Absolutely. that people really need to get to the outcomes they're looking for. Absolutely. And it's always good for people to ask questions and to get confirmation they're on the right track and they're doing the you know, right things and to get their questions answered and just so they feel comfortable about what they're doing and you know where they're heading. Mm, great. So with the book, will you offer yourself as, uh, you know, when you get to a certain stage, if you feel that you want extra help with it, then contact me, here I am kind of thing? Or you yes. have, will you have a special website? Will you have, what, what's your social media and your web digital side of that all looking like? Uh, it, there will be an app that will be developed so people oh, can actually go cool. on to it and do each of the exercises and we'll unlock a new exercise, you know, every week so they can, you can actually do the exercises yourself. Um, during the day, uh, and then we need, we need my more apps, don't accountability we? <laughs> in my phone. That's, that's <laughs> the key word, accountability, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And then if people do want that one-on-one, then I'm happy to work with people as well. Yeah. So then, what about taking it to another level? What about if there are practitioners who go, "Oh my goodness, I really want to know how to do that program. I want to be able to offer that because you know that's." been a, a brilliant thing 
can they do a training course with you or is that something in the future? Is there something that you've considered? I haven't really thought about that a lot, um, but that will be something that I would like, certainly like to do in the future. But at this stage, it would be a matter of people going through the program themselves so they know exactly yeah. what it's about and what they what will come out of it because it will be different for everyone and it's something that you can't explain to people. No. It's something that they will... Well, I was sort of what I'm sort of thinking with it is things like, for example, Feldenkrais and Bowen therapy and those things. Somebody came up with that idea in chiropractic. One person came up with that idea in the beginning, and then that was something that was trained to other practitioners to actually do that under a banner, a certification, uh, something. You could take it. I'm sure that will be something down the road the track that I will definitely be doing yeah yeah well we'll be scribbling that down later. <laughs> <laughs> scribbling that down later okay this is what i'm gonna do next uh, there's just just with the the internet the social media side of things there is so much that is marketable on a, a global uh, platform where somebody in america could buy yours you could you could offer it okay here's my whatever you want to call your package, here's my package, here's my program, um, you know, it's normally $2,000 worth, here it is at $800 worth, you know, you see it all the time, Facebook ads and email marketing and so forth. Um, and I don't see why if you've got something that is a tried and true, tried and tested process that people can't do that, that, you, you know, you couldn't market that. And I don't see why practitioners couldn't market things like that as well. Absolutely. Mm. I think there's the whole new scope that we're so tied in to trading hours for dollars, minutes for dollars. And, you know, for a lot of practitioners, if you can only work 30 hours a week, then you can only earn 30 hours a week's worth of income as far as what people are paying. But you can have these different income streams that um, are just, the doors are just flying open as far as that side of, business goes the interesting thing is i never set out to make money with this program it was something that i just felt that i needed to do i mm. felt like it was my life purpose that this is what i was here to do and this is what i wanted to do and that's where it's evolved from yeah. i've not ever put it together thinking that this is a way that i'm going to make money that this yeah. is the way that i want an extra income it's just something that resonates with me that I'm really passionate about that I would like to share with the world just because I feel there's a lot of value there and it can make a huge difference and it has the potential to change the way that mm -hmm. we think feel and be and perceive yeah. negative states of mind forever and I think look, I, th I hear you exactly and I do think that or I know that a lot of practitioners would think the same way about not doing it for the money. In fact, you know, if you were going into this industry for the money, you're in the wrong industry, really, <laughs> as far as, you know, ease and that, that dollar transfer of time. But I also think we need to sidestep. If you've got something that's really good, not going for the, for the money, because that's you don't put the money first and then the success comes. You put the process in, the where your passion goes, and then you know you get remunerated adequately but you know you've done two years worth of work plus all the work on top of that putting that out there 
um, there has to be some exchange for your time, effort, knowledge. Sure. And that's where when I'm aligned with me and my purpose and what I'm passionate about, that's when it will come back. Um, I'm not doing it purely to make money first Mm. because that will never work. Well, it was never your intention to start that way. No, what's really important is the intention behind it and then the money will come with that. Mm. Yeah, that's that's for anything, isn't it? That's anything that you do with the intentions right. Absolutely. It's aligned with your values and... Mm-hmm. Yes, because if you look at the most successful people in the world, they are successful and have made money doing things that they love. They've not necessarily gone into it because they wanted to make money. They did it because they wanted to, because it was fun. Richard Branson started an airline against all of his accountant's advice <laughs> just because he thought it would be fun to own an airline. He knew nothing about mm. running an airline. He just did it because he thought it would be fun to own an aeroplane. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we spend an awful lot of time in our working mm. space and working energy, so it's so important that it is aligned with our core values and our core self and that it leads us to success in whatever success shape is for us as an individual absolutely and it's about being able to do those things without the limitations of negative states of mind and when i say that as in the fears that i can't do this or am i good enough i'm not Mm. educated in this we always come up with these excuses but at the end of the day they're all negative states of mind which is triggered by that fight or fight absolutely Mm. so when you start working with those you'll find that then all of the excuses and all of the you know fears you had are no longer there they all dissolve and then you'll find that those things will just be there and you can choose to do those things and they will just evolve i'm so looking forward to yours and my uh, evolution jules we will be new women we will be new women <laughs> at the end of this program we're going to feel fabulous uh, a couple of questions there's probably people that are listening at the moment practitioners who are listening at the moment who are thinking oh my goodness i'd love to do that program and um, so we will put your contact details at the end of the show notes so that they've got your website and do you have Facebook? No, no, no. Yes. <laughs> I will have one. <laughs> you will have one. But we'll get we'll get contact for you on there anyway, uh, so that they, they could they could do that and participate in that. And I imagine that there are practitioners also out there thinking, hey wow, you know, I've got something I'm working on, it's something I do really well. I'd probably need to sit down and put this together and package it to make a program. Do you have any words of advice for that side of things? Uh, what 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 would be your top number priority that they would need to do to sit down and set it in stone? Spend one minute a day working on it. Yep. And do it every day consistently. Okay. Consistently. I like the consistently every aspect day. of it. Okay. So whether that's one minute a day, you know, writing, one minute a day researching, one minute a day reading about it, whatever it is, you break it down into small chunks and just spend one minute a day working on it. That's really good advice. I'm going to take that advice and run with it. So thanks so much for your time today, Bronwyn. Thanks for Jules chipping in. Croaking in. Croaking in. <laughs> thanks for croaking in. I hope that... Uh, that uh, 
moves for you. And I wish you absolutely every success, Bron, because it's, uh, it's just you. phenomenal what you put into it and I think what people are going to get out of it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Metagenics Best Practice Podcast. Find us on iTunes and leave a review. Join our practitioner-only Metagenics Facebook group to be informed of new podcast releases, keep up to date with key industry updates and more. Visit metagenics.com.au to find useful links and resources relating to this podcast and sign up to our e-newsletter.